Support for this IPR podcast comes from Iowa Community Foundations, an initiative of the Iowa Council of Foundations, connecting donors to causes they care about. Details on the Endow Iowa Tax Credit Program at communityfoundations.org. You're listening to an archive edition of Talk of Iowa from Iowa Public Radio. I'm Charity Nebbe. Since the farm crisis of the 1980s, the population of the majority of Iowa's rural areas and small towns has been shrinking. It is possible to shrink and thrive, to shrink and maintain quality of life for residents. But it's also challenging. David Peters is a professor of sociology at Iowa State University and ISU Extension Rural Sociologist. For years, he and other researchers have been studying this trend. They've been identifying shrink-smart communities. And in recent years, his research has focused on smart senior towns, small towns that are great places to live for their senior residents. This hour, we're going to focus on these smart senior towns. I'll talk with representatives from two of them, Sac City and Bancroft, and we'd love to hear about your experiences as well. Dave Peters, welcome to the show. Hello, can you hear me? I can. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, So, Dave, uh, this is a trend that, of course, uh, we know has been going on in Iowa for a a long time. But let's lay it out for people. I mean, we know that the farm crisis of the 1980s changed things dramatically for rural areas in our towns. and, uh, And we've seen a lot of population decline. What are some of the other changes that that play into these rural areas or small towns just really experiencing this shrinking? Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. The farm crisis was one of the first ones, uh, events that really drove people out of rural communities. Also, in the 1990s, there was a manufacturing crisis that coincided after that. So really, the 80s and 90s were tough times for most of rural America, particularly rural Iowa. Uh, and so you had a lot of younger people leaving, um, you know, having, you had probably a pretty robust K through 12 population base, but a lot of people went off to college or vocational training and they left for jobs in Des Moines or in some of the larger regional towns. And so what you had was out migration, mainly driving population loss in most of rural Iowa. And you had an increasingly aging population, one, because the boomers were beginning to age, but also because... Uh, the loss of younger people made most of our rural communities older. They became grain towns as well as shrinking towns. Well, and you mentioned the boomers aging. This is something that's happening nationwide um, where we are seeing this this older population kind of it's very large. The, the younger population is not as large. So yep. we, we're getting a little heavy on the older right. end. But Iowa's ahead of the curve on that, right? Uh, yeah, we are. Um, just given we're a smaller state, we're definitely an older state. And so, yeah, we have a larger share of our boomers tend to remain in the state, even though a lot of them snowbird during the winter months. Uh, most rural Iowans that are older tend to like to keep roots in Iowa. They may leave for a few months in the winter, but they do tend to stay. And so, yeah, we're experiencing this uh, rapid shift to the boomer generation being the dominant uh, cohort in many of our smaller rural communities. Let's talk about your work with shrink smart communities. What did you find helps a community shrink in a smart way? What are some of the factors? Yeah, so when we looked at it, we found that one, it wasn't really economic factors that drove it. We didn't, it wasn't really factors being very near Des Moines or a large city. Really, what we found is sort of the the secret ingredient, if you will, 
is this concept called social infrastructure or entrepreneurial social infrastructure. Basically, the town's ability to come together with good leadership and try to address these issues in creative ways. So they really didn't rely on a large city to provide services. They weren't relying on grants from state and federal governments, but really they were able to come together, raise local funds, identify projects with high-priority needs, and get them done in a timely manner. So really it was this ability of the town to come together, identify priority needs, find ways to fund it, find volunteers to work to get it done, and it was this, this broad-based collaboration within the communities. That really was seems to be, seemed to be the difference between these uh, what we call shrink-smart towns as well as towns that we call declining, ones that really uh, have falling quality of life as well as falling population. And you and I have talked about this research in the past, mm-hmm. and one of the big factors in, in these shrink-smart communities were the personalities of the people in the town. It took one or two people with really strong leadership skills and vision, heroes really, to to make things happen. It wasn't necessarily community planning, but something a little more difficult to define. Right. I mean, I don't want to disparage local government, but in most of the, the towns, local government, city government was not the main driver. Really, it was people that were local leaders in the community, either in the private sector or the nonprofit sector, and they were really champions for their towns, but more importantly, they were conveners. They were people that, and it wasn't, when we think about leadership, we think of people running meetings, having a strong central leader, and most of the leaders in the shrink smart towns were very uh, ones that wanted to delegate authority, share power, uh, empower other people to take leadership and ownership of certain aspects. So they were really sort of the coordinator rather than the one sort of giving out direction. So it was a different style of leadership than we tend to see maybe in, in large cities or or in state government where it's one leader kind of issuing orders and issuing tasks. Really, the people, in the, the leaders in these small towns were ones that tried to convene people, try to empower people to go off in different directions, and really just more of a coordinating role. So a different... We call we call that a shared leadership style. So that really um, was absolutely key: being a convener, a convener, and a champion for your town. And you mentioned local government. An important element there is local government has to be open to yeah. to these champions in the community, <laughs> right? Yeah, and that's why you know these uh, local champions were good conveners. They had good relationships with local government. They wanted to make sure that they weren't intruding upon traditional functions of local government. Really, try to complement it wherever possible. And, you know, in a lot of ways, local government in most of rural Iowa is not very well staffed. They have smaller budgets. They don't have community development directors. So they have to rely on citizens, private citizens, kind of working with local government and working with other foundations and organizations in the community to try to really make things happen. So again, these leaders really had to be very broad and and work and network well with all different uh, aspects of the community and people in the community. Let's talk about smart senior towns. As 
you shifted your focus in this direction. What made you think that this was something that you needed to define? Well, two things. One, through our Shrink Smart work, we found that seniors played an absolutely critical role in the Shrink Smart project. We found that most seniors were ones that tended to be these leaders. They had one the time, they had the gravitas and sort of background to lead these projects, to lend their support and prestige to the projects, and uh, they had a long history in the town, as well as having some resources to donate. So seniors played a key role in sort of allowing these towns to be creative, mentoring new leaders to come on board. Because most of the time in small towns, uh, people are maybe reticent to maybe take a leadership position because they might feel that by going off in a new direction uh, might imply that the way the previous leadership had done something wrong. So having older leaders essentially sort of bless the project saying, yes, it's okay for new leaders to come on board. It's okay for new leaders to go in different directions. That was absolutely critical. So besides the mentorship aspect that seniors can play in in leaders, they also sort of lend their uh, acceptance or, um, yeah, I guess I said that. (laughs) But yeah, basically, um, you know, their credibility, right? Yeah, their credibility. That's exactly right. And that seemed to make a huge amount of difference. And so we begin to wonder, well, perhaps developing seniors, keeping seniors in a town can be a development strategy for small towns. How do you retain these seniors? Because they're mobile. I mean, they can move to warmer climates. They can move to Des Moines where maybe their their kids or grandkids are. How do you keep them in the small towns and not just keep them in town to just sit, but to keep them in town and involve them in the development of the community? So that's where the Smart Senior Project really had its genesis, really trying to find out how can you use seniors as a resource to develop your small town. Now, of course, to use seniors as a resource to develop your small town, it has to be a good place for seniors to live as well. Um, And you did mention snowbirds. And of course, a lot of older Iowans do spend their winters in warmer places. There's kind of a a life cycle to that, though, where maybe after retirement, they spend a few years snowbirding and then the travel becomes difficult or health care becomes uncertain if you're in a state that's not really your home. Do you find that there are a lot of those snowbirds then end up in their their later years full time back in Iowa? I would say, yeah, I mean, it's varied and depends on individuals and towns. But yeah, I would say that if small towns, particularly if they're around 1,500 to 2,000 people in population, often most of uh, small towns that size will have the amenities and resources where a senior could stay for their later years in uh, small Iowa. They, in small town Iowa, they have hospitals, they have a variety of senior services, they may have assisted living or transitional housing, not just nursing homes. And so I think most Iowans do want to come back because they know people in town, they can rely on their social networks. Um, it's usually cheaper, less expensive to live than in the increasingly pricey uh, American Southwest and, and, Amer- and in Texas. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of seniors do come back, uh, particularly for the quality of health care. We're going to have to take a short break here in just a moment. But before we go, uh, just give us a little bit of a hint, because you mentioned so many of the, the services that are important to seniors. But there's also another it factor as well that it's important for these towns to have, right? 
Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> we'll we'll talk about that it factor in okay. just a moment. Dave Peters is here with me today. He is a professor of sociology at Iowa State University and ISU Extension rural sociologist. We know, of course, for years that Iowa's rural communities have been shrinking, but it is possible to shrink smart, to shrink and thrive, to shrink and maintain quality of life for residents. This hour, we're focusing on senior residents of these towns and what Dave Peterson or Peters and his collaborators call smart senior towns. We'll find out about a couple of those in a few minutes as well. We'll visit Sac City and Bancroft. This is Talk of Iowa from IPR News. Support for this IPR podcast comes from Iowa Community Foundations, an initiative of the Iowa Council of Foundations, connecting donors to causes they care about. Details on the Endow Iowa Tax Credit Program at communityfoundations.org. This IPR podcast is supported by Cultivating Compassion, the Dr. Richard Deming Foundation, fostering causes that enrich the community, generate understanding, and cultivate compassion including Above and Beyond Cancer. I'm Charity Nebbe, and you're listening to an archive edition of Talk of Iowa from Iowa Public Radio. This hour, we are talking about smart senior towns in Iowa. These are small towns that are great places to live for senior citizens in the state of Iowa. With me is David Peters, a professor of sociology at Iowa State University and ISU Extension rural sociologist. Since the farm crisis of the 1980s, small towns in Iowa and many of our rural areas have been losing population. Some towns have shrunk better than other towns and have really been able to thrive in spite of the challenges that a shrinking population can create. Dave Peters has done a lot of research on those communities, and now we're focusing specifically on smart senior towns. In a couple of minutes, I will check in with Bruce Perry of Sac City. A little later on, Christy Newman of Bancroft will be here. And we'd love to hear from you as well. If you have questions about smart senior towns, maybe you live in one that you think is a smart senior town. Maybe you think that your town is not particularly good for senior citizens. So, Dave, just before the break, uh, you mentioned some of the things that that make towns smart senior towns, make towns, you know, a place where senior citizens can access all of the things that they need to have a good quality of life. But then there's this other it factor that makes a town, a smart senior town. What is that it factor? <laughs> it is a concept called social capital. Uh, it's the ability for uh, socialization within the community. So you can sort of list all of the various services, you know, whether that's senior care services, health care services, housing, all of that is important. But in the end, seniors want to be able to interact and socialize and be involved in the community, it's particularly uh, boomers aren't just there to sit in the town. They're there, they really want to be active, whether that's physical activity, whether that's social activity, and a lot of them do want to be involved in moving their town forward. So the town has to be open uh, to integrating them into the community, into leadership positions, into basically local organizations to try to do um, projects for the community. So the ability of people to seniors to have some identity form attachment and identity to that town is absolutely key and to have them be able to socialize with other older people 
uh, in particular, uh, interacting with younger people as well, with either the library board or youth sports. Uh, all that is is very important to really enhancing senior quality of life, being part of the community, not just being set apart um, from the town. And I get the impression that pickleball courts are really <laughs> key in this. Oh, yeah, that might have been the it. Yeah, Pickle, yeah I see where you're going with the it factor. Yeah, pickleball, yeah, tongue in cheek, right? So uh, pickleball courts. So a lot of the towns that I talk to, um, this has been going on for maybe about seven, eight years. But yeah, a lot of the communities are repurposing their basketball courts and their tennis courts to pickleball courts because seniors go... Uh, when they're living down south, they play pickleball. Uh, my own father is very much into pickleball. And it's, yes, it's the physical activity aspect of it, but much more it's the socialization. It's just a way to get out and socialize and engage. But yes, pickleball <laughs> is definitely something that any uh, small town looking to recruit seniors, that's almost a must-have um, <laughs> A must-have uh, amenity in the town. Now, I do want to ask you, uh, before we move the conversation towards mm-hmm. Sac City, I mean, the pandemic has changed so many things, and uh, there have been some really, really difficult changes, especially when it comes to health care in Iowa, where there's often a lack of health care available. Small rural hospitals have closed in recent years. It's just really put an incredible strain on what was already a strained system. I realize that that's all really recent. Are you able to factor that into your research about these smart senior towns? or is that something that, that's coming in the future? We've been able to do it a little bit through our interviews. We're going to do a survey again through 125 towns in Iowa in 2024 next year, and we're going to relook at some of the data and try to uh, ascertain how the pandemic has impacted communities in general, but in, particularly, uh, in particular seniors, particularly with social isolation. So one of the things when we did a survey in 2021 uh, seniors in particular were very hard hit by uh, mental health issues because of isolation. I mean, seniors are generally isolated to begin with, but the pandemic really isolated them from friends and, and, and family, uh, and they were unable to socialize. So, yeah, it was mainly a mental health impact. Obviously, there were health impacts with many seniors as well due to COVID. Uh, but for those that were not impacted, where their health wasn't impacted, it was really sort of a lack of socialization that resulted in you know higher depression rates, uh, more anxiety, and just you know more mental um, being unwell in in terms of their mental health. So more more understanding to come in future years, but but obviously this is something that's going to be affecting us for a very long time. town I grew up believing God keeps his eye on us all and he used to lean upon me as I pledged allegiance to I do want to turn now to Sac City, Iowa. Sac City has a population of about 2,000 residents in western Iowa. It's also home to the world's largest popcorn ball. And uh, Bruce Perry is here with us. He's a member of the city council in Sac City. Hello, Bruce. 
Well, good morning. How are you today? Great. Thank you so much for being here. And Bruce, I know the popcorn ball um, gets some people to come off the the highway every now and again, but it's it's not really what makes Sac City so special. So just tell me a little bit about Sac City and, and why you like living there. Well, okay, I have obviously deep roots here. I was born here, went to school here, went away for a while, but did come back. And um, it has a lot to offer. I I know that we are talking about senior amenities, but I think really Sac City has approached things saying we need to have a wide variety of amenities, and those will also include seniors. Yes, pickleball is important. And we've got indoor and outdoor pickleball courts, which is great. We have an indoor and outdoor swimming pool, which, you know, it's amazing how many seniors like to go for their daily swim, particularly probably in the indoor pool. And so, but that being said, there's a sense of community that I think really does attract seniors. In our marketing program, we really direct our information toward three different groups of people. One is we want to maintain citizen satisfaction for those who are here. Two, we really want to attract those that lived here at one point and would retire because, number one, it is much cheaper to live here. And number two, there are amenities and conveniences that they may not be able to get in a larger city. And then we also try and attract people who don't have any connection to the community. But I think we've got a full line of medical facilities. We've got a critical access hospital that has been rated in the top 100 in the nation for the last several years. We have quality medical professionals. We have numerous specialists that come in monthly, bi-monthly. We do have a independent living facility. We have an assisted living facility. We've got a nursing home. So as people approach the later years of life, there are facilities that are here for them where they can take advantage of those as well as enjoy the camaraderie of the friends they've had for a number of years. <laughs> and uh, Bruce, you mentioned uh, moving away and then coming back. What was it that brought you back to Sac City? Why did you want to move? Well, my parents, or I'm an only child, my parents were here. They needed, they needed some help. And um, I, they'd been great to me, and I felt it was my turn to return some of that uh, care for them. For a lot of people who would like to move back to their hometown or to a small town, uh, one of the the real challenges is finding employment. And I know that for seniors, that's not always the big focus, but uh, people have to be able to work in these small towns. What can you do in Sac City? What, what kinds of jobs do people have? 
Well, okay. Personally, I am in an odd position, probably. My graduate degrees are in music performance. And so I work full-time as a church musician in Fort Dodge, as well as have a pretty active private teaching studio. So uh, my father once told me that I need, you know, what you need to do is find something you love to do and then be creative enough to get someone to pay you to do it. <laughs> and I tried to, I kind of followed that advice. Now, other than that, as far as employees and employers go, um, VT Industries in Sac City is a countertop manufacturer. Um, they are a pretty major employer and also have uh, a call center where they, you know, so there are not only the manufacturing side of it, but the uh, service side of that that is in Sac City. Um, Vapto is halfway between Sac City and Lakeview. It's a large refrigeration manufacturing company. They're always hiring. The hospital is a major employer. Um, the school is a major employer. And if anybody was interested in coming and working in a rural school, I know they've got some openings they're trying to fill. But um, that, and then there are just numerous um, small employers that, whether manuf whether manufacturers, whether uh, construction people, whether um, I mean, there's not a there's not a shortage of jobs here. There's a shortage of workers here. So, um, Dave, I, I would love for you to weigh in here because I mean, one of the things that sets some of these thriving small communities apart is willingness to welcome outsiders, uh, welcome people who are not just not from this town originally, mm -hmm. but also often willing to welcome people from other cultures. Is that an important part of the equation? Yeah, absolutely. Particularly to address any kind of workforce shortages. I think any uh, jobs in the healthcare industry are increasingly going to be filled by people who were not born in the United States. I mean, they have qualifications. Uh, but you know, the healthcare shortage is oftentimes filled in many parts of rural America by uh, people from the English-speaking world outside of the United States, uh, mainly the Caribbean and, and West Africa. So being open to newcomers is going to help with the workforce shortage generally, but also uh, help with addressing the healthcare professional shortage in a lot of communities. And towns like Sac City and Bancroft do a phenomenal job of welcoming people, allowing them to be involved in organizations, and even taking uh, uh, leadership positions as as well. So, um, you know, kind of true integration is being able to participate in, in the community. And I'm sure as Bruce knows, it's always the same 25 people showing up to meetings. So when, if you, you can get a few more people to expand that number of 25, that's just more more hands on deck to uh, to help with all the projects that, that need to be done. Well, and, and Dave, I, I want to ask you, you know, we our, our political climate is so tense right now, and there is a lot of bias, and there is a lot of fear. I mean, what can a town do to really create that welcoming culture in an environment where a lot of people are really not not welcoming? 
Well, I think one thing that sets small towns apart is that you really can't uh, ignore people <laughs> in a smaller community. You're going to see them on a daily basis. You're going to have to interact with them. You know, and you're in a large city. If you don't like certain groups of people, the community's large enough, you can just isolate. Uh, but in smaller communities, you're, you're not really able to do that. Just the nature of, of small town life is that you have to work with people uh, to make things happen. And so I think people try to, in, one of the advantages of small towns is to actually get things done. People do have to set aside differences to work together on common projects. And through that working, they tend to maybe moderate their views or they maybe come to see uh, the other person's position a little bit more. But just the nature of small town life, people have to work together. And so there is this tacit acceptance that we may disagree on certain things, but we're all on board with trying to promote uh, their community. And that seems to be a common framework on which to sort of build over time um, you know, more acceptance, uh, more understanding. Uh, Bruce, before we run out of time, I do want to ask you about an, a challenge that is really tough for a lot of small communities. I want to know how things are going in Sac City. Tell me about the housing situation, because there's a real housing shortage in a lot of small towns. Indeed, there is. Um, we are, you know, I joke sometimes that most houses sell at the visitation of a funeral. Oh, wow. And... But that being said, the city has, um, we purchased, a smart, I think, three or four lots that have houses on them. Those are selling very quickly. We've got a 14-acre or 14-unit um, housing area that we are currently developing. We have a middle school that was closed at the end of last year that we are working on getting a developer to come in and make it into rental units because rental units are a great shortage in our community. One thing that has helped, we do have quite a few duplexes that have been built. And what happens sometimes is if seniors downsize to a duplex, which opens up their homes, you know, so there's kind of a transition really from house to duplex to perhaps independent living. Yeah, I mean, it, so it's a, there's a progression of housing there that does help. But housing is a critical need in most, most communities. And Sac City is no exception. We are trying to aggressively look at it by purchasing land, developing it, getting new housing, built and um, seeing what we can do. Well, Bruce Perry, thank you so much for being on the show today. Well, thank you so much for having me. Bruce Perry is a member of the City Council in Sac City, one of the smart senior towns that we're talking about today. Dave Peters is still with me. Dave Peters, a professor of sociology at Iowa State University and ISU Extension Rural Sociologist. We're going to continue to talk about smart senior towns in a moment. We'll also check in with the town of Bancroft, Iowa. I'm Charity Nebbe. This is an encore edition of Talk of Iowa from Iowa Public Radio. This IPR podcast is supported by Cultivating Compassion, the Dr. Richard Deming Foundation, fostering causes that enrich the community, generate understanding, and cultivate compassion, including above and beyond cancer.
This is an archive edition of Talk of Iowa from Iowa Public Radio. I'm Charity Nebbe. This hour, we're talking about smart senior towns. These are small towns in Iowa that may have seen a shrinking population over the last few decades, but they have been able to shrink smart and maintain quality of life for all the citizens in their towns, but particularly for senior citizens. I'm talking today with David Peters, professor of sociology at Iowa State University and ISU Extension, rural sociologist. And we're going to go to Bancroft here in just a moment. But Dave, before we do that, I want to ask a question that Gary in Davenport sent to us. He said, what about homebound seniors in very small towns with young leaving, population declining, government retrenching on social and hospital services? How can the homebound thrive in an increasingly sorry situation? for very small towns in Iowa. Yeah, I think uh, this is where small towns uh, have an advantage. Given that people really want to volunteer, given that people have this strong commitment to the town and attachment to the community, what we find is a lot of homebound seniors actually get around pretty well using uh, social networks, that there's a lot of younger people, younger being in their 40s or 50s, uh, they're willing to drive seniors around to their appointments, uh, willing to bring them food, uh, drive them maybe a half hour to the grocery store or pick up groceries for them. And so one of the nice things about smaller communities is that a lot of those services that are provided by organizations in larger towns are really done on a volunteer basis. And they're mostly uh, coordinated through either churches or through local uh, councils of aging. And so people just are willing to volunteer their time and really help homebound seniors. So in some ways, living in a small town is protective in a way that even if the funding gets cut, people are willing to do it anyway because they're doing it for free because they just have a strong commitment to their town. Um, oftentimes, uh, homebound seniors, they actually know people or they're you know, distant relatives or they know who they are in the community. You're not anonymous. And so it's very unlikely in a small town uh, that a homebound senior would be forgotten. People, you know, kind of know each other and know people's situations. And so this is an aspect of, of smart seniors is just everyone has a name, everyone knows people's backstories, and people are willing to step up, uh, step up with their own time and money to to help individuals out generally, but in particular, seniors. So that that returns to that social network, that social capital yeah. in the community. As long as people are connected, mm-hmm. you can get people the help that they need. Um, uh, what about senior centers? Are that is that an important factor? Yeah, it is. Um, it, it depends on what you're going to do in the senior center. So, um, you know, the, having that facility is great, uh, but it's also the programming in that senior center. So having either other events, uh, not just going to sit in the senior center, but having movie nights, having meals, uh, having different activities, whether that's playing cards or different. Uh, that seems to be critical in that a lot of towns tend to have senior centers. They have the facility, but really where they lack is having good programming for seniors. Cause no, one, even, no one wants us to go sit in the senior center. They want to have something to do. So the biggest gap that we see is really developing good programming that could happen in those senior centers. I do want to turn now to Bancroft, Iowa, another smart senior town. It is a small town in northern Iowa, population of around 700. Christy Newman is city director in Bancroft. Hello, Christy. Good morning. Well, thank you so much for being here. And I, I'm i a little surprised that a town of 700 has a city director. Is that unusual, Christy? 
Yes, it is unusual. Um, we do, however, also have our own electric utility. So I'm also in charge of the electric utility here as well. So you grew up uh, in rural Iowa. What made you want to live in Bancroft? Um, I actually was, at the time that I moved here, I was living um, between Milwaukee and Chicago and had been there for 27 years. Um, and I happened to see an ad in the paper, and my mother had passed away probably three years before that and just thought, you know what, it's time to go home. So so you just saw, uh, was this a spontaneous decision? It almost sounds like it was. It was. It was very spontaneous. Was not looking for a job. I had a great job. Was very happy where I was. Um, it was just kind of one of those spontaneous decisions that we'd always talked about moving back this way when we retired, um, but we just made the move a little sooner. So tell me why Bancroft specifically, other than the town or other than the job, I mean, you you took a look at this town and you liked what you saw. Tell me what you saw. Absolutely. Like I said, I had a great job. I had no real desire to come home except for family. Um, but I would not have taken the position unless I saw that the community was already on the right track. And that's what I saw here. I saw life in town. So when I drove through, I thought, oh, this is great. There's people out. There's people doing things. I can bring improvements to the community, but I already have a good base to start with. Tell me about uh, Bancroft from the perspective of senior citizens. What do you feel makes it a smart senior town? Uh, I believe um, the connectivity between all age groups is huge for the community. Uh, we do have uh, assisted living in town. We have a great nursing home. We have also have senior apartments that they're able to move into. Um, we have a senior center. We have noon meals every day for seniors at a reduced cost. And then um, just activities that go on in town, different events. Uh, we try to include everyone with what we're doing that would show interest to all age groups. And we try to find ways to get them here. Uh, one of the other things that we have is a clinic in town. And our we also have a grocery store. So our grocery store does do deliveries to home uh, for seniors that need it for the homebound. So that that is a real key too. You mentioned the grocery store, Dave. That seems like a, a really important element as well. And a lot of small towns have lost their grocery stores. Do most of the smart senior towns have them? Yes, they do. <laughs> so one of the big um, components that makes a smart senior town is that seniors uh, can get what we call daily needs in their communities that usually they have. Uh, they can shop for their daily needs uh, they have entertainment and recreation locally in the community, and they can get access to health care uh, in the community. So the, the ability to obtain all those locally without driving, you know, a half hour to the next nearest town to get those is absolutely critical. And that, of course, factors into how seniors perceive the community, but also their own decisions on where they choose to live. So, yeah, having those kind of essential services, you know, a clinic, 
maybe a pharmacy if you have it, a grocery store definitely, and then as Christy was saying, sort of the you know a senior center and activities and things for people to do without driving a long way um, is absolutely key. Well, and Christy, you mentioned uh, wanting to engage with people of all ages in Bancroft. Of course, for a town to be healthy, it needs people of every generation. Um, What do you do in Bancroft to try to engage with younger people who may be pretty busy? Maybe they don't feel like they have a lot of time to volunteer and get involved with community stuff. How do you get those people involved? Sure. Um, I... When I came here, I started a group, uh, 20s, 30s, 40-year-olds, to try to develop some new leaders, and that has worked out really well for us. Um, But when we do plan an event or an activity, we try to find um, different generations to be on the planning committee because then they're going to bring in their assets, which are people their own age, to help out. So we get a different variety of volunteers. We get young people, um, high schoolers, to to senior citizens. Um, find what your asset is, what you can do. A lot of senior uh, citizens will sit and take money. They can do that. They have a chair. They can sit. They can do that. And they get to visit with people, and that's what they love. They love seeing people out and about. So it's an opportunity to do things like that. Let the young people do the heavy lifting, and then they can move down the line into the more cushy jobs, like taking money. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Um, and Dave, I mean, Christy brings up, a, in a way, a really interesting problem that we have in our society, where we we really have created these stratified social arenas of society where people don't interact with other generations very much, where young people are with young people and old people are with old people. It sounds like in Bancroft, people are interacting across generations. Is that another element to the health of these communities? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, don't talk about the senior center. You talk about the community center. I mean, you talk about the fitness center, but a fitness center that include both younger people and older people. And, you know, that's just the way things are. And I think, you know, it's a testament to Bancroft that there was some design in doing that, that there was that it took active measures to make sure that people of different age groups were brought together. And that sort of becomes the norm in the community. But somebody has to to start that because in a lot of towns uh, that don't really fall into the smart senior category, you know, seniors are pretty isolated. You're really almost two groups of people. There's sort of the older people that kind of inhabit one world in the community and then younger people, and there's really not much interaction between the two. And so it just doesn't happen. It takes some thought. It takes some foresight and takes some some action to to make that happen. Right, and there are benefits on on all sides. Mm -hmm. It's good for younger people to interact with older people. (laughs) Um, Let's uh, go to the phones. Bill's on the line in court, and hi, Bill. Oh, I'm sorry. Hang on just a second. There there you are. Hi, Bill. Hi, Charity. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I'm here uh, here to talk about Corridon. We have uh, a great community here with all the amenities that everybody else has mentioned, the hospital, senior living. But my wife and I moved here about 35 or 40 years ago from Detroit, Michigan. And we felt we needed to be here because uh, 
the business, the family business that was being sold, and we decided we wanted out of the city. Uh, we'd been through the Detroit riots, and we and I worked in, a, in an office in downtown Detroit, and it was a 25-mile ride to work and back every day. And every all the things that we had in Detroit, we came back here to Ford, and, and we still have. We I, we can drive to Des Moines to go to the Civic Center in the time that it used to take me to drive to work. Mm. And uh, our h- hospital is great. We have a new battery plant, which somebody from your group should come and look at. It's huge. It's and it's uh, we have. Shivers Manufacturing, which everybody knows what Shivers makes, uh, dryers and that. We have the finest small town museum in Iowa, and that's not just me saying that. As as other people who have been on the Iowa board that that come and visit it and uh, see it. there's a lot, a lot of interactive between younger groups and young and uh, older groups. Uh, they, there's the senior citizens. That, that, there's a great swimming pool with a slide that I was one of the first ones to go down the slide. Nice. And about drown, I lost, I lost my false teeth on the way down. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Bill, we're, we are running out of time, but thank you so much. I'm Corden is lucky to have you and you've sold me. I mean, that that kind of love for a community and enthusiasm. Dave, that's part of that it factor, isn't it? Yeah, it's a great story. Great story, Bill. <laughs> and I'm glad you got your teeth back. But Bill, thank you so much for the call. We only have a, a couple of minutes left. Um, and I would love to ask you, Christy, we've talked about all these good things about Bancroft and, and some really great things you're doing. What do you consider to be your greatest challenges? Um, just like all of the small communities, I think one of our greatest challenges is uh, housing is huge for us. Um we just need more housing. People would live here if we had the houses. They're gone before we even know they're up for sale, um, which is a good problem to have. But um, that that is one. Um, I guess, to the challenge is to continue to find leaders that will keep things moving forward and always looking to the future. Um, I think you have to be 10 years ahead of the curve all the time. You need to be thinking what could happen 10 years from now. And I think in small communities, you need to think bigger. You need to think outside of the box and don't underestimate what you can do in a small town. Um, I My motto here has always been we can do anything a community of 10,000 can do. Uh, until... Uh, Till this year, um, we had had a collegiate baseball team playing here every summer. Um, You've got to look outside the box and see how you can make things happen. And that baseball brought in 500 people a night to watch baseball in town. So we almost doubled the size of our community wow. 
you know, 18 nights out of the summer. Um, we're always looking for new opportunities, and sometimes you have to be willing to take risks, I think, um, to move forward. Um, but I do think you have to find leaders and get them developed and get them to have the passion for their communities and realize that what that passion can do. And when one person spreads that and it grows, your whole community wants to see what we can do better. Christy, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Christy Newman is city director in Bancroft. Uh, Dave, in about 30 seconds, what do you hope to use this research for in the future? Where do you go next? Well, I think it's really trying to identify some of the key strategies that are common across all these smart senior towns and then provide a blueprint for how communities can, can become a smart senior town. So how do you engage in leadership? How do you be creative on providing health care and essential services? You know, how do you engage seniors to become leaders in those communities and, and support projects? So what we're, the long-term goal is to have sort of a blueprint for communities to set them on the right path to become a smart senior town because that is a great asset for their community. David Peters, thank you so much. You're welcome. David Peters is professor of sociology at Iowa State University and ISU Extension rural sociologist. We've been talking this hour about smart senior towns. This is Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe.